In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What are your symptoms? What are you dealing with? What's the problem? Well, doctor, I just I look down on other people all the time, constantly complaining about everyone in my life. I despise even some of my family and friends. I'm constantly, constantly talking about people, how annoying they are. Okay, I see, the doctor says. Well, that's not good. So. Are you are pretty proud of yourself then? Well, that's just it, doctor. I'm, I'm not really not proud of myself at all. I feel like I'm never good enough. I'm constantly trying to prove myself to other people. I'm constantly comparing myself to others, trying to be better than them, trying to outdo them. I mean, doctor, do you know what's wrong with me? What is wrong that I, I'm never good enough? I hate everyone. Is there a medicine I can take? Yeah, there is a medicine for this, for this exact thing, a powerful medicine. There is a medicine that will put you at perfect peace. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to compare yourself to anyone. There is a medicine that is so powerful that you will be able to love every single other person in your life. But this medicine is not at the pharmacy. Jesus told this parable. Quote from the readings, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they looked down on other people. When we hear that, at least I'll speak for myself, I usually think he told it to Pharisees. But actually, doing a little reading this week, he may not have told this to Pharisees at all. He may have been telling this to his own disciples because they probably struggled with the same thing. Some of the disciples were thinking they were righteous in themselves and they were looking down on some of the other disciples. Now, we don't know that for a fact, but it very well could have been. Some of them, for instance, may have been treating Matthew, the tax collector, the former tax collector, with contempt. They may have been constantly talking about, oh, that idiot Matthew. I don't know why Jesus called him to be one of the disciples. Why do we got to deal with this tax collector all the time? They might have thought they were better than him and treated him with contempt. It's not just, this parable is not really about Pharisees. It's about every one of us, the Pharisee that lives inside of us. See, now we, for some real honesty for a minute, be really brutally honest with yourself. How often in the last week or the last month have you looked down on other people? We have treated other people with contempt. We have even despised some people in our life. We've even said something like this, oh, I can't stand her. We are the Pharisee. Some of us have done it more than others, no doubt. Some of us need to hear this sermon more than others, but we all need it. We have all looked at our fellow man, maybe one of our siblings, maybe somebody we go to school with, maybe someone we work with, someone at church, someone of a different political stripe, and we've said, I can't stand her. I can't stand him. And we've done that because that Pharisee in us is always struggling for the upper hand, always struggling to justify ourselves, to prove ourselves. Enough isn't good enough for us. We feel the need to be better, better than others. We've been proud. We've been self-righteous. That's why we're here. 
because this is the only place to find that medicine. Because here, the doctor, Jesus, is the only person in the world who can treat our self-righteousness and our unlovingness, however I should have said that, are are treating others with contempt. It is powerful medicine. Right here in the divine service, God gives His mercy. And they're so powerful that they really can put an end to that constant need to prove ourselves, that constant self-validating, that constant self-righteousness. And it really is powerful to help us love, truly love, not hold in contempt, truly love one another. So I'm going to give you two examples. First, a positive example of this power of God's grace, and secondly, a negative example. The first example is Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning that I read. Paul, he says in that reading, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, Paul is a perfect example of this parable because he was, in his own words, the Pharisee of Pharisees. And he was proud of it. He was proud to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. He looked down on everyone because no one in his eyes could be as good of a Pharisee as him. He gladly stood there while they stoned St. Stephen to death. And he approved of it. And he thought he deserved it. He hated Stephen. He would go around house to house. This is, again, in his own words. We're not putting something on him. He said this stuff in his own words. He would go house to house and drag Christians away, trying to trick them into blaspheming so that they could be put to death. He was evil. He was proud. He was self-righteous. And he despised and hated everyone. Until the grace of God appeared. That powerful medicine of mercy. He's on his way to Damascus. God struck him down, humbled him, Right, Put him in the place of the tax collector saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Paul goes from a guy, I mean, I don't know, this, the words don't do this justice. You've got to kind of wrestle with this. Paul goes from a person who thinks he's better than everyone, dragging people off to have them killed, to a guy who says, I am the worst person ever. That's how powerful God's grace is. It takes you from way up here And humbles you way down here to say, I'm not worthy of anything, Lord. But God lifted him up, right? Lifted him up by his grace and forgiveness so that he trusted in Christ, not himself. And Paul learned to love everybody. That is the power of grace. Now, for the negative example, Cain, who's in our first reading today. Cain struggled with this thing that they call today social comparison syndrome. Have you heard of that? I had to look it up. I had never heard of it. But apparently it's got a name. But I I know it, but I didn't know it had a name. So before those words even existed, Cain struggled with social comparison syndrome. Okay, And he struggled with it before there was Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. See, social comparison syndrome is what they're now calling this phenomenon, which social media has made more aware to us when you are continually comparing yourself to others, especially on social media, feeling that you're never as good as the other people, that you've got to compete all the time to be as good as others. So Cain pulls out his phone, 
and sees Abel's Instagram photo. He sees Abel there with his offering, offering his you know, animal sacrifice, a smile on his face, and there's Abel's caption, the Lord provides. Right? And Cain gets, oh, he gets angry. He hates Abel. Who does Abel think he is? And when, when Cain gets Abel, uh, excuse me, when Cain gets angry, God calls out to him. He wants to give him the powerful medicine of mercy. He says, Cain, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? Cain's sin is crouching at your door. You've got to rule over it. There was an answer for Cain. If Cain had simply bowed his head like the tax collector and beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I hate my own brother. God would have given him that powerful grace and mercy right there to rule over his sin. Cain could have said, what am I doing? God loves me. Of course God loves me. And he loves my brother Abel. And God provides for both of us. And I'm no better than Abel. And Abel's no better than me. And I love my brother. And hey, Abel's just happy that the Lord is good. And, that the, and I'm happy that the Lord is good. And they would have lived happily ever after. But no. Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Just as Paul had hated Stephen and been there when they killed him, just as Paul had hated other Christians and been there when they killed them, just as we have tried to justify ourselves, make ourselves right, how we've looked down on others with hatred, that's where Cain was. But there is an answer. There is a medicine. The book of Hebrews tells us that the blood of Abel cried out to God for vengeance against us, but the blood of Jesus cries out for forgiveness, for mercy, for grace. And that's what God wants to give you right here again in His Word and at the altar. Now, I already mentioned that we earlier in the service, we already did this. We said, I will not stand with Cain. I will not stand to constantly hate my brothers and sisters and think I'm better than others. We already said, I will take my stand with the tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We said, Almighty God, have mercy upon us. Forgive us our sins and lead us to everlasting life. We Pharisees who have tried to justify ourselves, who have looked down on others with hatred, we put ourselves in the place of the tax collector and asked for the medicine of mercy. And God gives it. He gives it freely. Now, I want to I make a little side note here. This really is a side note. Just bear with me. I'm going to come back in a few minutes. I want to make a side note about why we use the liturgy in our church. And I wrote a little bit about it in the sermon insert this morning. The tax collector is a perfect example of why we continue to use the liturgy just like Christians have been doing before us for thousands of years. Because what the liturgy does... We don't always realize it, but what the liturgy does, it keeps us from being the Pharisee. See, you, you might have come in here this morning very much thinking like a Pharisee, thinking how good you had been, and maybe even thinking in your head how angry you were with somebody else, how much you, you know, looking down on somebody else. But the liturgy gets us in the proper place. It gets us in the place of the tax collector. The Pharisee wants to come in here and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for making me me. Right? Thank you that I'm not like all those other people out there in the world. 
Thank you, God, that you're so great and I'm so great and let's worship. Yeah. But that will not happen with the liturgy. It starts with how good and great God is. Absolutely. But then the liturgy reminds us of where we stand before Him. Instead of us becoming the center of attention, my praise and my worship, God and His grace becomes the center of attention. Right? The main focus is kept on God's Word and sacrament where He delivers us the medicine of mercy. So we start with the confessions. We go to the Kyrie. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. The liturgy keeps... You've, you've heard these phrases. The liturgy keeps the main thing the main thing. It keeps first things first. Okay? And that's God's Word and sacrament. The healing medicine. Okay? Beware of any church that does start to go away from the liturgy. Because even in small respects... It starts to lead you away from God's Word and sacrament. The Pharisee and the tax collector, see, really are the same person. They are both just sinners, equally, just like us. And what the liturgy does is takes every Pharisee and puts them in the place of the tax collector for mercy and grace. Okay? The Pharisee must be killed. Now I'm, I'm back to the sermon. Pharisee must be killed. He says, oh, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything I get. Big deal. God is not impressed. Okay? And I was thinking about it this week. Do any of you fast twice a week? I'm going to take a wild guess. There may be one of you I don't know about you haven't told me. I'm going to take a wild guess that probably nobody fasts twice a week. Do any of you actually give a full 10% of let's say, even your annual income, let alone everything you get. Again, there may be a, just a handful of you that do. Most of us aren't hitting that mark. So, and we're going to come in here and brag about anything? What, are we going to brag about the 1% that we give? Right? The Pharisee in us must be killed, must be drowned in the waters of our baptism, washed in the blood of Jesus. And then that healing medicine, His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness, can exalt us. Like who? Like the tax collector. Like Matthew, the tax collector. Like Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Like Paul, the murderer turned apostle. So to close, I want to pray. I, I, want, I thought this would be a good way. Tax collector prays. Let's end with a prayer. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. We admit that we are not good enough. Other people are indeed much better than we are. And we admit it. But You love us and have given us Your Son. You invite us today to Your table where we come with nothing and go home justified. We especially ask You, Lord, that You would help us to love all people, every single person in our lives as Your own children, to not look down on them, but to treat them well, to help them in their journey to eternity with us. Humble us, Lord, so that we may be exalted in Your powerful grace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.